The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about catfishers. And you've heard me talk about how sad some of these cases are, like the woman that I spoke with whose daughter committed suicide when she found out that this young gentleman that was supposedly a young gentleman was breaking up with her, who really was her her uh, her ex-girlfriend's mother pretending to be a young boy. So we've got that kind of a thing. And, there's, and then there's this show about catfishers that I finally saw an episode, and I told you about that, how horrible where people would just give money to these people thinking that they're investing in their their uh, business that doesn't exist. So it's really terrifying. And the Internet is wonderful, but it also is really has some dark, dark places in it. And today we are so excited because we're going to be interviewing a new book calling Catching Catfishers disarm the online pretenders, predators, and perpetrators who are out to ruin your life. And this is written by Tyler Cohen Cohen Wood, who happens to be a defense intelligence officer. And she is a computer forensic examiner and cyber branch chief for the Defense Intelligence Agency. Let me tell you a little bit more about this wonderful, brilliant woman. Tyler Cohenwood is a cyber branch chief for the Defense Intelligence Agency under the Department of Defense. And in the past six years of her service to the agency, she has made policy recommendations regarding digital intelligence, and she worked for the Department of Defense Cybercrime Center as a digital forensic analyst. She has conducted intrusion and malware analysis, major crimes analysis, and exploitation of children forensic examinations to help secure many successful criminal prosecutions. Her work has saved um, the commercial industry tens of millions of dollars in data and security breach prevention and recovery. And now she has written this great book, which is just a, a, a wealth of information and great tips for all of us who don't want to get caught by these catfishers. So I'm just thrilled to um, have her come to us all the way from the D.C. area. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Tyler. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. That was quite an introduction. (laughs) Well, I'm just thrilled to talk about this. First, I have to ask you, before we get into talking about catching catfishers, how is it that you got to be such a techie? Well, 
it was just kind of, it, it was weird because, you know, back when I was starting out, they didn't have, you know, digital forensic programs. Um, it, it, they didn't really have that. So it was kind of one of those things where um, I sort of was self-taught and then I started working for um, doing security at a web hosting company, Digital Security, and then, you know, 16 years later, I'm running a cyber branch uh, for the Defense Intelligence Agency. So a lot of it was self-taught and kind of training along the way. But I didn't start off as, as a techie geek, really. Well, it's, it's wonderful that you've done it. And especially, there aren't as many women in that field. And I think that this is wonderful because women have a great sense of intuition, and especially for the kind of work that you do. So let me ask you something. As a cybersecurity expert, what do you believe we all need to know about the increasing dangers with regard to protecting our our online safety? Well, as we rely on these digital devices and social media and constant communication more and more, we're at greater risk from predators, hackers, or people who are trying to steal our identity. And the hackers and the predators have gotten a lot more sophisticated, but also our privacy is at threat um, because of some of the applications that, that we use and some of the permissions that they have. And one of the things that I set out to do with this book was to really empower you know, parents, professionals, and kids themselves with the tools and the understanding that they need to protect themselves. Exactly. And, you know, we're sitting here on the campus of the University of California, Irvine, and everybody is pretty techy here. You know, everybody's walking around with every kind of device, whether it's their smartphone or whether it's an iPad or some, or some other kind of device. And um, I think that we all have a tendency to get so excited about all these new gadgets and apps and even medical devices uh, that that monitor everything that we're doing, right, that we, we tend to forget. And, of course, the app makers aren't doing things to really uh, help us protect ourselves either. So you were starting to talk about privacy. You know, tell us about ways that we can keep our personal information from being sent all over the place. Well, the first thing that you need to do when you're using, when you're using an application or a social media site is read the terms of service because... A lot of the applications, at least the major American applications that you use, are going to tell you exactly what information they're collecting on you, how they piece that information together, and what permissions they have to other areas of your phone. And then I also recommend highly, I think a lot of people would be very surprised, in fact shocked, if they actually looked at the permission settings of their phone and saw what various applications they use, what accesses those applications take or have. But they tell you that they're doing this. And, you know, for example, um, I, I call this application permission creep. And what that is is that's when you install an app on your phone or tablet or other digital device, and that application has a function, yet at the same time, it's also taking other access into that device. Like it's looking at... You know, for, for example, I'll tell you a story. So, and, and some, some operating systems are a lot better at protecting you in sandboxing, which means keeping your information um, in a contained area than others. Yeah. But, you know, my husband and I went out to California uh, this, this, past, um, this past fall, and, or winter, or whatever, I don't remember. Well, we, we had this terrible, terrible winter, as you know. And we 
said, well, that's it. You know what? We're, we're moving to California. <laughs> so we come back to D.C., and we have a text message conversation with each other about moving to California. Well, within minutes, he logs on to his uh, professional social media app on his phone, and he's getting job postings for um, that exact place, Orange County in California, where we said we wanted to move. And I logged onto my social media <laughs> app on my phone, and I'm getting real estate listings. Oh my goodness! So, but they tell you that that they're doing this, and I think a lot of people would be surprised if they looked at the permission settings of a lot of the popular applications that they use. They they will have access to things such as your text messages. They can send. They can read. They can sell content from your text messages. Um, I have a mapping application because I am geographically um, moronic, and I basically get lost crossing a street. Mm-hmm. And this, <laughs> this, this mapping application I use has access to my contact list. Oh, my goodness. So if, if you're, you know, just a regular person, and maybe it's more important to you, you know, to be able to uh, not get lost crossing the street, which I've actually done, um, then have them you know, be able to sell these contacts. But, you know, if you're a business, those contacts or the stuff that you say in your text messages or storage areas of your phone, that could contain corporate intellectual property. So that's a huge risk, and I call it application permission creep, and I think it's actually one of the greatest risks to businesses right now. And then, we, and then also we've got the security breach issues. That it could be not not just intellectual property, but it could it could just really expose you to risk of of having problems with the Federal Trade Commission or having class action lawsuits if this contact information has other information in it, such as social security numbers or other sensitive uh, information. So you're right. I mean, it's really it is really scary. I mean, I'm I'm pretty careful that I don't download too many apps, but um, I also carry a Windows phone, which doesn't even accept that many apps. So, so that's probably another reason why I don't have all of them. But um, but it is, I think it's really scary. I don't think in our country we, you know, because we have opt-out rather than opt-in, I think it would really be helpful if we had all of the devices set on the most restrictive and that if, you know, if they offered you something in return, well, will you be willing to share your contacts if we give you X, you know? But we don't have it that way. So I think no. what's really very hard is that people don't bother to read these privacy policies or the terms of use. They don't, or they don't understand them. So I think it's kind of a, a big burden on those of us who are consumers to even know how to use it. I mean, we get excited. We A friend says, oh, wow, download this great app. Yes. And then we find out. So we do it because it sounds wonderful. And then we we don't even bother to look at these terms of use. And, and look what happened. You, here you are an expert. And you and your husband ended up getting all this information about Orange County that you, yeah. Which, by the way, we're in Orange County. So come on out. Well, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, we loved it. But, but yeah, so so you just. And, but the thing is, you if you're knowledgeable about it, then you can make an informed decision. Is right. it more important for me to use to to know that the Starbucks locator app that I'm using that Starbucks is collecting information on my device? It maybe is collecting you know who my contacts are. It's getting my geolocation information, or is it more important that I get that coffee? And you have to make that choice. 
But if you're informed about it, you can make an educated decision, and that's when you get the power back. Right, right, right. Knowledge is really potential power, as you're saying. Let's talk a little bit about businesses, because here we are, we're... We're, you know, on a campus that has a huge business school and law school and everything else, and we have a lot of businesses that drive by that get to hear this. So what about businesses? How can they protect their data from hackers? Well, again, you know, if we're, we're relying on all of this, this technical, you know, more and more technology, so statistically we're going to be at greater risk. And the hacker is going to go for the lowest hanging fruit. Right. And you know, if we have these, these digital devices that have access into our corporate network, that's where a risk is. If those devices are not properly secured and if your employees are not properly trained on those devices and if the corporation doesn't know exactly what applications are on those devices because there's threats if, you know, you go and you're logging into your corporate network and you're not using a VPN and you're doing it at... Oh, like at Starbucks, right. because anyone who's on that network can sniff your traffic. Or Bluetooth is a huge, a huge risk as well. So the hacker is going to go for really the lowest hanging fruit. You know, or you know, they can develop. Anyone can develop an application and and put it into the into the store. And they do sometimes kind of check the applications. Apple does, but they don't necessarily check the updates. So if a hacker wants to get a popular app where they can get lots of information on someone, they can just put it up in the app store. So there's all kinds of things that businesses need to do. You know, they need to also have a social media policy because a lot of people will give things away that in, in their social media that are, could be company tradecraft or uh, corporate intellectual property, and sometimes they know they're doing it and sometimes they don't know they're doing it. Exactly. But, they need to really look at the devices and the applications that people that their employees are using. Exactly, and and have policies about the smartphones. You know, should you be able to bring your smartphone, and what is the policy with regard to that smartphone, and how to access? Yeah, it's it is it's a terror. It's just like we are in the wild west here. But I want to talk a little bit about catfishing because. This is, this is really a huge issue, and, and that's the name of the book, Catching the Catfishers, Disarm the Online Predators, Pretenders, Predators, and Perpetrators Who Are Out to Ruin Your Life. And you know, when I was watching that show that, um, about catfishing, and it isn't just about lovers who are getting revenge against your old lover. Right. I mean, there are people out there who are real soci- sociopaths. Yes. And it is just scary. So why don't you help my audience know exactly what you mean by catfishing? So, so catfishing um, can mean it's basically someone who's just lying to you in the online domain. And it could be an innocuous lie like on a dating site where you add a couple of inches to your height or you remove a few pounds. Or it could be downright scary where someone is targeting you to try to scam you out of money or someone is a predator and they're targeting your child and they're claiming to be someone that they're not. And I will tell you, these predators, and, and I have done many, many exploitation of children or fraud cases, these predators are very good at what they do. Yes. And anything, any application that has a social media or connectivity aspect to it, 
is open to predators. And a lot of parents would be very surprised. Some of the, the applications that their, their very young kids, very little kids use, where you can trade, you know, barnyard animals, well, the predators are on those sites, too. And they're very good at what they do. They do reconnaissance on their targets, and they will become exactly who they think that person wants. And that's why people buy into it and believe it. Mm. So how prevalent is this? Well, unfortunately, it's, 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 it's pretty prevalent. I don't have an exact statistic, but and, and obviously it's going to see, you know, there's going to be innocuous lies are, are very, very prevalent. But there are a lot, of, a lot of predators who are out there, and they're using this medium. Yes. Let's talk about some of the red flags, because people, you know, they, they meet somebody else online, and, um, you know, it's, it is scary. Like, people will want to friend me on Facebook uh, or on LinkedIn, and, you know, sometimes I don't even know, I don't know who they are. Like, then I look up, if, I'll look at them up, and I'll see who they are, and then maybe I have 57 friends who are friends with this person, you know, that um, I'll be a little bit more open to that. But I, I kind of look before I make them my friend. Cause, and then even then I kind of worry about something like that, you know? Absolutely. Well, you know, um, back, back. Uh, well, yes, it's. Um, yeah, we, right. I just want to know some of those red flags. Yeah, because, you know, like when I was watching that TV show about the, the, the fishers, you know, it seems to me that if you can't even like FaceTime with them or if you can't Skype or something, then shouldn't that be like a big red flag if you want to know what the person is like, right? And it is. And so when I set out to write this book, um, I, I know a lot of things about this, this industry based on, you know, what I've done. And I started really looking for a good manual that actually taught people how to read deception in this online domain and how to vet if people were actually who they say they are. And I couldn't find anything. So I wrote it. And that's really what this book is. It's a, it's a, there's a very easy to understand and read checklist. And I'll tell you actually a story where how, how we used one of the checklists, and I'll, I'll go through it. Okay. So a friend of mine uh, came to me. He has a 16-year-old daughter. And he's, he's, he had a very open relationship with his daughter. And she had been online dating a 17-year-old boy. And he said they were going to meet, and something just seemed off to him, and kind of to the girl, too. And he came to me, and he said, I know you're writing this book. I know you have this checklist. What can we do to vet if this guy is you know, who he says he is? Right. So we started going through the checklist. And, you know, the first thing we asked is, you know, have him Skype with you. Well, he couldn't. He had some, some reason why he couldn't do it. And then we went to the next thing, and we said, well, have him send you a real-time photo. And that means, you know, send me a photo of you right now. What are you right, doing? Right. Oh, well, all his cameras were broken, and, and he, he couldn't do that. Uh-oh. <laughs> and then we took it a step further. We said, let's actually analyze his social media. So we looked at his social media page, and we really looked at it. And he had friends on his social media page, but he never had banter with those friends. There was never really realistic banter. He was never tagged in any of those friends' um, mm. postings. And the friends seemed like just kind of an odd collection of friends, like a few people from school. 
like random, random filler friends is what it really looks like. It didn't look like a real profile that a 16-year-old boy would have. Right. And then we took things even another step further, and we, we took the one photograph that he had actually sent her, and we did two things with it. We plugged it into Google Image Search, and sure enough, it pops up on someone else's social media page. With a different name? With a different name, and it was <sighs> extremely obvious that that other person's social media page was a real page. So that was a, that was a red flag. The other red flag, and I, on my website I, I do video blogs, and I teach you about this thing called EXIF data. And this is... When you take a photograph with any modern-day camera, smartphone, this EXIF data is turned on by default. and It's information about the camera, and it goes along with the picture you send. Some mm. social media sites strip it out, some don't. But this EXIF data contains the serial number of the camera, the type of camera, but what's important to us is it also contains the exact geolocation of where that photograph was taken. Mm. Now, some social media sites will strip it out, some don't. But anyone, it's very easy. There's freely available tools. It's extremely easy to take this EXIF data out, pop it into like Google Maps, and you see exactly where the photograph was taken. Well, he claimed to be in one state, but the photograph was actually taken in another state when we pulled the EXIF data out of this photograph. And sure enough, it was taken in the state that the real person's uh, social media page was from. Oh, my so, God. And we didn't even go, we didn't even get to the next steps on the list. We, we just stopped there. And, you know, when she calls him on this, he disappeared. Right, right. Completely disappeared. Oh, my gosh. What, it sounds like a predator, huh? He was. Uh, so there's, there's always going to be now red did, flag. He, did he find her face page? Is that her Facebook page? Is that how he contacted her? He did through, through her social media, yes. Yeah. Mm. I know. Years ago, my daughter um, was using Facebook, and um, and we got scared because some guy from Virginia, your place, <laughs> um, was contacting her in California when she went to uh, UCI, University of California, Irvine, where we are. And um, we got very scared about that. And, um, you know, we didn't do all these things that you did, but luckily, luckily, we, uh, we did contact the parents. And we found out he was a real person, so that was okay. But that that thing died out anyway. They were too far away. But we did contact the parents. We, we kind of did our own little research. So let's talk about some more of the things that we can do, because you have a, a great list here. You talk about if they're Gen Yers or Gen Zers, um, are they friends with their parents on social media? I thought that was interesting. Well, that is because... When when I when I polled I, I polled a lot of people I talked to you know HR professionals for for various aspects of this book and when I polled parents you know ninety nine point nine percent of them said you know I am friends with my child on on their social media yeah yeah you know, the other one percent scared me and they were the ones that that were that said I don't know what my kid's doing right right but so so that is. That is something that is, is common. And so, so what, you, what you're looking for is you're baselining what's normal. And when you see an anomaly, you have to, see, you have to really take notice of, of that anomaly. And obviously there's going to be some times where maybe one of the red flags on, on the checklist, you know, they, they, the red flag is there. Maybe they can't Skype with you. Maybe, maybe their camera is broken. But they can do the other things on the list. 
Right. Or the other things check match match up. Right. Right. One of the things that um, that Anne, my paralegal, was telling me is that sometimes they'll Skype with you, but they'll put, like, if they're pretending to be a girl, they'll get a friend to fraudulently pretend to be a girl and then have the the uh, image be kind of grainy, but they'll talk to you. So that that's really fraudulent. That's scary, too, that they actually use a friend to do that. So, so you know, this, the, even Skyping is not necessarily 100% true. It's not. You got I mean, that's why, you know, you really want to go, you, you want to go through this, this checklist. And, you know, you also want to, to read the checklist, read these chapters with your teen and with your, your tween, because it's very easily written, and they can understand it, too, and they don't want to be victimized, either. They want to empower themselves. So... You know, it's something that you do. You want to you want to have an open relationship with your child about this topic. Yes, but you know, Tyler, we're talking about professionals too. I'll tell you, after I you know, was reading your book and reading all these uh, these checklists you have, and then I saw that thing on on um, on this terrible cyber stuff, I decided to be really much more cautious myself. But I just want to make, if you've just started listening, I just want to let you all know I'm speaking with Tyler Cohen-Wood, who's a cyber branch chief for the Defense Intelligence Agency under the Department of Defense in D.C. And um, she wrote this great new book. It's called Catching the Catfishers, Disarm the Online Predators, uh, pretenders, predators, and perpetrators who are out to ruin your life. But, you know, I was thinking about a professional, and, and I know one of the things, one of the suggestions you have, even if you're a professional, you know, is there a professional uh, social media site listing their achievements, and are there realistic endorsements on them, like if they're on LinkedIn? You know, you, you got me so scared when I was reading this that um, someone had written me an email, and he's in, he's starting a startup with privacy stuff, and he's interested in having me be on his board. And um, he has a patent, and he told me the patent number, and we looked it up, and then he was talking about his attorney. So I, I immediately went and called his attorney who wasn't in, but then wrote him an email, and because I didn't find anything on him on the social media or on LinkedIn. You know, that worried me. And I didn't find much about the company because it's a brand-new company. So, you know, you got me so paranoid <laughs> that I'm, that even as a professional, I don't want to meet with somebody um, until I really kind of know who he is, right? Well, I, I agree. I mean, and, and you should, you should, you should be paranoid. Yeah. You, you should. You know, one other thing that I do want to talk about for your listeners, because I think that this is really important, is another thing people really need to be aware of the things that, that they say about their children on these social media sites. Right. And because you are, you are creating your child's identity, and we're raising a generation of kids whose entire lives have been online, even from before they were born. The right, right, and, right. You know, you just you have to be really careful. Things that you say today about them could have consequences for them in the future or, you know, current consequences. I, I know a guy, he's got more PhDs than I have fingers, and he is constantly posting pictures of his daughter doing things like uh, being naked, you know, sitting on the oh toilet with her first bathroom. 
And, you know, not only is this poor child going to get teased, but, I mean, who knows what else, you know, he's going to post. I've seen people who post things like, um, you know, my, my son um, got in trouble at school. Why can't he, you know, just uh, stop cheating on tests or something? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's open to future employers. Right. This stuff is ne- never goes away. It, it never doesn't goes go away. away. And people are under the misconception that they are protected by privacy settings, but privacy settings can and do change. Yes. And a lot and, and a lot of the things that you say today will be completely open to open tomorrow. You just I, and the, you have to think about the things that you post. Think if you would you go up and say it to your boss? Would you give it out to a room full of strangers? And if the answer is no, then don't post it. And that is a great way to end because I want people to get your book and I want them to go to your website because it, we are just out of time. So the name of the book is Catching Catfishers and it is a, a wonderful and important book for all of us to read and that is by Tyler Cohen Wood. And why don't you just give the website and then it's time for us to go. Uh, the website is Tyler Cohen Wood. Okay, TylerMoore.com. Tyler, just keep in touch with us, okay? And if you move out to Orange County, I'll take you around, okay? <laughs> Thank you. All right, you're terrific. You've been listening to KUCI, 88.9 FM and Irvine, and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.